Hey, welcome everybody. This is Shelly Smith. Uh, thanks for listening to Reads and Weeds. Today, I am with Angie Ammon, Bone Jackies, and Amanda Smith, who is not my aunt who lives in South Carolina, <laughs> <laughs> but she has done the show before. She did The Mars Room. And we've been, she actually recommended this book, so I'm really excited to talk to her about it. And today we're talking about The Murmur of Bees by Sophia Segovia. And I, my first question is, um, first of all, let me say that it is late, um, no, mid-August 2021. Yes. Mid-August 2021. It's lovely outside. It, it's it is. It's damn near it's perfect. Really nice. It's like yeah. between 64 and 80 degrees every day. It's like the fucking sweet spot, right? And not super humid. Not super humid. The mosquitoes have fucked yeah. off, finally. Yeah. Um, but it does still feel like quite the chaotic world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, no, it's, it's it's It feels like, you know, the, the current situation is like... Um, Afghanistan is crumbling and being taken back over by the Taliban, which everybody's real surprised about. And uh, unemployment is still pretty high, and uh, people still get coronavirus, even though a bunch of people have the vaccine. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy. Um, the, one of the really interesting things about this book is that it's sort of 100 years ago when it's yeah. starting, right about there. And so it feels very timeless. There was a, yeah, I, I found a lot of parallels as I was reading. I was like, I'd stop and go, oh, shit. That's yeah. kind of like what just happened mm-hmm. and is still happening. And it's still happening. Yeah. yeah. So why um, Amanda recommended the book and we're so excited we finally got it scheduled. So why did you recommend it? Yeah. So I actually read this book um, a year ago and... With everything that's been going on this year, it just seemed, it seemed as though the last 18 months unfolded in parallel with a lot of the events in this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, in so many ways, there's so many threads to unravel. Um, it, it was like, it was like watching reruns of the last 18 months and just being able to figure out what was going to happen next yeah yeah so i i I realize i should just say this openly (laughs) the book when i first started reading it i'm like oh it's about a pandemic okay i get it that's probably why she recommended it and then i realized oh this was first published in 2015 which means she was writing it in you know 2013 it wasn't Mm -hmm. translated into english until 2019 so long before our pandemic (laughs) she was writing about this pandemic in Mexico. The Spanish flu. The Spanish flu. Yeah. Right? Which they only named that because nobody else. It was the first reported It was the case. first reported. No, no, no. It was just the first. They didn't have time to name it because everybody was at war. Right. Right. So they reported it, but it wasn't someone from there. It was a weird That's reason. what I mean, though. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. 
exactly. So, but do any of, did any of you guys write down a passage that blew your mind about the way she talked about the pandemic? Do you um, know what I'm, do you, did you pick one? No, well, no, not directly. I'm going to see if I can find Oh, no, one. you know what? There was, um, <clears throat> there was one um, where, okay, so Beatrice, so Beatrice is a, um, she's a farmer's wife, right? Like she's, um, but she's, she's the matriarch of this um, family. Um, well, maybe not because she has, her mom is still there. There's older, anyways, it doesn't matter. Beatrice is. Oh, there's is, so much to talk about. Beatrice is um, uh, the wife of a farmer and um, sh- they were talking about the annual dance and the war. Um, so my notes say uncertainty of the future. Um, so basically like the, like um, there's these, these annual dances where the people in the town come and do these, you know, big parties or whatever. And I kind of got the impression that it was probably to like pair people up to get married. Is that what they did? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, the, so it's a big deal because we've all got sons and daughters that need to get married and go off on sure, their own. Sure, a parent party dance. <laughs> right, right. So, so, um, so she's talking about the annual dance and the war going on and they don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I said that it made me think of the start of quarantine and the unknowns associated because we're all just kind of like there were so many people that were like, well, are we going to close down? Is it going to like, are we going to be fine? Like what's, you know, what's happening, whatever. Um, And one of the quotes or it wasn't a quote, but it was um, one of the statements um, that said people were intent on dividing themselves. Yes. And I was like, like, I just. It was funny. It was like I could see my head exploding, like oh, in yeah. my head. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. that that brain exploding emoji. Yeah, <laughs> like it, that's all I could see. It it very much um, mirrored a lot of the divisiveness that we've seen with the, um, you know, COVID nineteen pandemic, but also like Black Lives Matter. Yes, and um, you know this. I mean, obviously, it's it's tied into COVID, but, you know, now we've got people that are like, I ain't wearing no mask, and, you know, mm-hmm. and now it's, you know, the divide between which the maskers and anti-maskers are probably all the same people that are vaccine and non-vaccine, you know, for the most part. There's a lot of overlap there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just COVID-19 in general and then Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. all happening at the same time last year, and it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, people were hell-bent on picking a side and oh yeah staying which i fully agree with you know but Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was like there was there was very little of um of the um even the idea of like sitting down with somebody on the other side and having a conversation and actually trying to figure out you know what needs to happen yeah so i was gonna say so this book is the story of basically one family the moraleses and their sugarcane farmers who become orange farmers that's the setting they're in lenares mexico which is near monterey and it's 19 i think 15 or 1910 when it starts and Mm -hmm. they tell a brief history of this family that has two very interesting magical type twists right um 
hey everybody we're in an apartment building the guy just opened the door walked up the <laughs> stairs and it really scared Allison and Angie but it's okay you mean Amanda Amanda <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I do see Paul I'm leaving large pauses for editing Mm. Okay, so the two mystical things that you just accept right away, because the title of the book is The Murmur of the Bees, and the two things that you have to accept right away are that there's this old lady that's been sitting on a porch for like maybe 70 years. Nobody really knows. Nobody really knows, Mm -hmm. but they do know that she nursed like four generations of babies yes and then she outlived them all yes um which is never explained and i am here for it okay <laughs> i'm just like i want to know her because she's you know she she, she doesn't just even sits die in a rocking chair they they said she was wooden clothes. they she described wooden. her as being wooden yeah but this mm-hmm. thing starts with her giving life to all these babies she was the wet nurse for the main character's 22 brothers and sisters yeah yeah Woof. so there's that mystical thing they just never explain that nana reyes is that reyes. right yeah reyes mm-hmm. that she, like where she came from or how she lived to be a thousand years old <laughs> it's just accepted no one questions it she's part of the family the other magical thing is that there's a baby born in the town that found. Nana, that Nana found. She found him under the bridge, right? And nobody believes that she heard the baby crying because it was so far away. Yes. And and there was all this scuttle because no one could find her. Yes. Right. Yes. And She's they like actually planned a funeral for to the point that they planned a <gasps> they funeral. They ordered a casket. They ordered a casket, and then they're like, "What do we do with this casket?" Yeah. And they were embarrassed, and they didn't want her to see the the casket. They didn't right. want her to see all of the right, all of the nonsense they went through. It was through. so comical to me. It like, was. I was. I was. I was, I was giggling yeah. for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh! But I bet I, it also had something to do with duty and the proper thing to do. You know, which is comedy. It is kind of comedy. But meanwhile, where was she? She found a baby covered in bees with some sort of mouth mouth palate. Oh, see, that's not what I was picturing. That's not what I was picturing, but maybe that's just that is it. Maybe it's that Yeah, simple. they have like an opening where the roof of their mouth should be. Right. Okay. I was picturing something totally different. <laughs> but, um, so this baby is born, or is found, and nobody, it's a small town, they're like, we would know if somebody had a pregnancy. Everybody would know. Nobody nobody could keep a secret like that. Um, but the Morales family, because Nana Reyes brought him home, just kind of keep the boy. They keep Simona Pia. Who is another magical character? Doesn't really isn't really verbal communicatively, really, but definitely communicates with nature and lives covered in bees and understands the bees. So tell me, I want to hear what you guys think about those two magic parts. So for me, it was what I what I was thinking about really is kind of a theme throughout the whole book 
is the thin line between life and death. Ooh. Um, yeah, we're going to get real deep real quick. Okay. It's going to escalate quickly, okay? Um, Let's light one more joint then. What do you yeah. say, Ange? Let's do it. Okay. Um, okay. So, you guys, you, I'm just going to say, shout out, we got a bunch of pre-rolls from Island Farms in Ann Arbor, and we're just having a delicious old time. Shiraz but actually, is already gone. That one's gone. Okay. Shiraz is delicious. Um, Amanda has a pink joint. She brought pink... <laughs> Rolling papers, and it's adorable. So, okay. Um, and let me tell you what's on the table because of the book. If you've read it, if you haven't, you'll understand after you read it. That's have, why you did that. I have oranges on the table, and I have honey snack mm-hmm. on the table. It's like naan with honey and cheese. But I wanted to represent honey and oranges. You clever bitch. I know, right? <laughs> what? Okay, so we're ready to get heavy because yeah. the joint is being yeah. passed around. So, um, the thin line between life and death, right? And being able to produce milk to be able to feed a baby or not in those times, it was really unlikely for babies to do very well if you couldn't feed them, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going to starve to death. And they actually expected Simonopia to die pretty quickly because they weren't sure he could even nurse. So right, he would only right. live for a couple days. Yeah. But he surprised everyone. And it's covered in these bees, not a sting on his body. Isn't that the strangest image? Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just imagining like this blanket of bees. And I, th- I feel like I've seen maybe a picture in a National Geographic or something yeah. of a baby covered in bees just being like, oh, he's so calm. My aunt is a beekeeper and her husband does a bee beard and I have a photo of it. Really? Yeah, I'll show it to you. Oh, man. Have you that ever- sounded like such a like 14-year-old, let's go behind and look at this. <laughs> yeah, I'll show it to you. I got a picture. Hey. I heard you I heard you were a man who who could do a bee beard. What is it gonna take to pull that out of you right now? Let's see it. Um okay. Damn, I thought Go it was ahead. asking a lot to co- ask someone with a beard to cover it in glitter, but bees. He loves high five. It. High a, lot five. Of, a lot of That's, bees. I'm gonna show you, hold on. It's yeah. scary as fuck. Okay, carry on. Go deep. Oh yeah, okay. So they're kind of walking this fine line of life and death, and it's this careful balancing act. But there's also, God, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, I'll tell you wow, something about the podcast. No, 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 no. I have <laughs> thoughts about this life and death thing because immediately, immediately, there's someone who should have died but didn't die, and a woman who's still been alive for a long time. And she ended up nursing a baby because her baby died, but there was another baby whose mother died and she had milk. And then she outlived two or three generations of babies that she nursed and then lived on the porch for eternity and did not die in this book. I gotta say, Nana Reyes was kind of my hero of the whole thing. Yeah. I I don't know what it was about her. Like, they didn't even talk about her a lot, but it was just like, I can relate so hard. She was like a tree. Like, think about a tree. Yeah. Like, Like, I want to be on the porch forever. Like, that's all I want to do. Right. Okay, I remembered where I was going with this. Okay, Okay, go for it. Um, So, I think... Well, let me Holy preface shit. this. I'm sorry. She 
produced the the bee beard immediately and is showing it to us. It is her uncle. She was not yeah, lying. Uncle, yeah, with a of, beard yeah. made of bees, and he looks very calm and happy. Holy shit! We will I'll, post I'll put that. Put it on the website. Put it on the website. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. I okay. could go on and on about life and death, but go. Yeah. So I, aside from being a volunteer who helps children um, with grieving going through the grief process myself but seeing how people at different ages grieve and taking classes on death and dying I've really realized that we have sterilized the dying process and think about during this time if someone were on their deathbed people would gather around Mm-hmm. Right, and, and start that grieving process. Or if they know someone's terminally ill, they can begin that grieving process. But now, like I wasn't even involved in the planning of my dad's funeral. Like you don't even have to see people dead anymore if you don't want. I just feel like we've really distanced ourselves from the process of death. Oh, yeah. Right, and... So for me, it's kind of like asking myself why that is. Is it because grieving is so hard and we're trying to protect ourselves from those things? But I think by putting so much distance between ourselves and the dying process, people are unwilling to face other things that are less significant but important in their life. Oh, yeah. It's a it's an avoidance, <clears throat> right? Yeah. And the way, so the way that, uh, if, if either of you know what chapter this is in, because you'll know what I'm describing. So the way she describes the coming on of the pandemic is one lady got sick and, and then died, like the very next day. And the it whole town grieved. Chapter 12, I think. Okay. Okay, if you can find something. It, the whole town grieved and everybody went to the funeral and everybody grieved and then everybody started dying and the you know the spanish flu was just happening and to the point where people would just put the bodies at the end of the road so the cart could pick him up and it was people not wanting to gather and people wanting to gather and the priest not being able to come around and people needing the priest but then getting the priest sick and the mailman dying and it felt so current it, yeah that's... it felt so current it was just like like it shouldn't feel that current because of all the technology that we have and all the advancements you know yeah. in the last hundred years but yeah but you're for right healthcare it workers, was but it was very it for was healthcare so... workers it was very like yeah that. yeah you know it was not chapter 12 it was before that yeah i thought it was earlier because so that was a very interesting thing realizing she wrote this in whatever like 2013 and then she's talking about this thing we're going through right now and also sort of the what the spanish revolution is happening as well and so there's that also so very it, it was similar. it was very much COVID nineteen Black Lives Matter yeah yeah what um go ahead did you find it um no I was looking at the part that um oh yeah 
I was looking in chapter 10, but it made me remember that um, there's this part that I really enjoyed in chapter 10 about that I, I wanted to bring up here too was I feel like an observance I've had of the current pandemic is um, recently people going through a lot of breakups of people they were with during the pandemic that they were like, uh, why are we together? Like, like people settling because yeah. they're in an emotional state where they're so desperate they would take whoever right oh interesting but now that we're we were up until recently kind of coming out of all of that um and people were starting to go back to interacting with others again i feel like there's a lot of like weird games being played around the dating scene oh okay i'm pretty clueless about that right now but i've got to say but i do she did draw some parallels about like because I've had f- weird friendship thing ha- things happen around some debate that y- you know some thing that happened during the pandemic ruined a few friendships and it was rough you know and it was because everything was so heightened and things meant more and people took sides and it was just like oh is, is it going to be like this you know but yeah, there was some pruning. And they talk about, like, so they flee to, do they go to Monterey? No, where do they go? What's the yeah, name of the place? To, yeah, wasn't it? Where do they go when they flee out in the country? They go to Monterey. Oh, okay, okay. So they take, there's this very important incident where uh, Francisco Morales the landowner decides to take his family and all of the workers and their families that want to go and go to like a quarantine place all as one big unit and he's going to keep them safe through however long this lasts you know but there's one man he's like you cannot go back into town nobody can go back into town because if you do we have to leave you because you'll be infected oh it's so real and selmo well, Epicuerta. I hated that guy. Epicuerta, right? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. So this one guy, this guy that's been on his land as as kind of a a sharecropper, right? Is that the term that he uses? It's a, they're campesinos. I'm mixing up these words. But they live on the land to eventually own the land. Yeah. Okay. That is the word I'm trying to use. So if we can edit out any terrible (laughs) word that I used, that would be great. Um, So Francisco tells him, you can't go into town and your wife can't go into town. But he sends her into town to get cigarettes for him or tobacco for him or something. And she gets sick and dies. And that man, for some reason, blames it on Simonopia the bee baby he thinks he's the devil that has cursed the area so he has this immediate break or i mean he he's not right to begin with he's bitter at the beginning i think but then Mm -hmm. but then the refusing to go and the death of his wife and blaming it on sonoma p and just staying there 
was like the beginning of a My Favorite Murder. You know, it was like, oh shit. Because he just stews in it. Because he's just stewing there. Ruminating. Constantly. Holy crap. And in a a really like obsessive way too, I think. Oh, Oh, yeah. 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 He was gross. I hated him. Oh, yeah. I hated him. What did I write down He was so dark. I wrote it. He was such a dark character. Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, because... You know, you talk about, it's like the beginning of My Favorite Murder, because he goes on to do some pretty horrible things in the book. Yeah. And um, I wrote down um, the quote from the book says, with women, making eye contact was enough. So with women, making eye contact was enough. Remember how he was talking about, like, he, Mm -hmm. she would never look him in the eye, and he, you know, and how dare she, you know, they were at that dance or whatever. Oh, yeah. Those guys still exist, too. He got super rapey, and then it was like, okay, well, I see where this is going. But, you know, that's what he said, was like, basically, fuck that bitch for not looking at me and acknowledging my presence, you know, this big, you know macho dude or whatever um but i said i hate anselmo he's the absolute worst ironic of him to call someone else the devil when he is set on killing someone stealing francisco's land and then forcing himself onto lupita oh my Um, god he was the worst like the irony of it all was just very like it struck me you know what i mean this whole part of the story is so rich and expansive because There's so much going on. First, there's the... It's kind of like a racial grudge, I think, because Mm -hmm. he came from a southern land. And Francisco was like, hey, you can stay here with your family if you want, you know, (laughs) if that's okay with you. And they say yes, but he says it hating it. And he stays there bearing this grudge. grudge. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, he hates the baby that was born covered in bees. He just hates him. He thinks he's the devil. And he develops a hate. And the baby, as it's growing up to be Simonopia the boy, running around in the fields and the sugar cane and eventually the oranges and everything, living among the animals, tells stories about a coyote and a lion. And Simona Pio can kind of see all of life, like see the future and know the past and like read energies like a mystical creature. And so this also, everybody who has a relationship with Epicuerto, it's a bad one, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody that has, when I was yeah. thinking about all the different relationships, the ones that are with that way they're dark. You know, even with Francisco, they're dark. He's not nice to Beatrice when she comes. He's it's so antagonistic and... Ugh. So I think I just figured it out. Like, oh, okay. I, I didn't realize this when I was reading the book, but um, I think the marijuana has enlightened me. Um, <laughs> ta-da! Ta-da! Um, he... Um, I think he was sort of jealous of, um, of the bee baby. Because remember... Um, Francisco and uh, Beatrice didn't have a son. They only had two daughters. So there wasn't really anybody to take over his land, which would have meant that it would possibly go to one of his workers, right? It could it could easily be taken over by one of his workers had he died, as opposed to it going to the family. Well, once 
I called him Simon because I didn't listen to the audiobook and had no idea how to pronounce most of these names. Mm. Um, when when Simon came along, you know, everybody poured all over him. You know, they were they were intrigued by him. They were especially, you know, because they were like, he's not going to live for three days. And then he lived for four and then it was four weeks and four months. And, you know, so so you got to think that this this creep was just envious of this baby because now they've technically got an heir to the to the fortune. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. he was a dick. Anyways, he was a dick. I hated him. Oh yeah. my god! Every time his name came up in the in the book, I was just like, I could, I was seething. It was just yeah, oh. yeah. And and this character is critical from beginning to end. It's like a background character that is the biggest <clears throat> the the thing that this character does. All of their actions, even though they're sort of creepy in the background, really fuck things up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. The way the book was such was ri- a weird dynamic. The yes. way the the way the book was written was really really good though. Like I I I appreciate it now, but as I was reading it, it was very like there was spots. There were certain spots that were very difficult um, for me. Anyways, I don't. I don't speak or read Spanish, so I struggled with some of the words, um, and which is fine. So, but it was it was kind of frustrating because it was like what should have taken me, you know, a couple of minutes to get through a couple of pages took me quite a bit longer because I had oh. to keep slowing down and okay, wait a minute, what does that word mean? Um, because it's translated, but um, but I. I and also at the at the very beginning of the first couple of chapters, I was very confused because it goes from speaking in a third person point of view to a first person and then switches and switches back and you've got all these different perspectives now a lot of books that i've read like that um like the name of the chapter would have been like the name of the character yeah that it was you know that it was the first person and this didn't do that so i was like i had to stop a lot and go okay wait a minute where were we you know three pages ago and who are we now and so it was a struggle to get through it at first, but once I got into it, it was just like, holy shit, I can't put this down. Like, the way yeah. she wrote it, mm-hmm. you know, like, it was just really... From different point. Yeah, you know what's great about the audiobook, because I've been pruning and listening to it, and it's so lovely. So if you can get the audiobook of Murmur of Bees, there's two different... Um, there's a male and a female <clears throat> reader, and one plays oh. the storyteller. Okay. So, you know, the guy telling the story is the youngest and surprise son of Francisco and Beatrice. And on his, he was like the shameful son that she had when she was so old at the age of 38. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a surprise because she was already a grandmother. So that little boy is now an old man telling this story. And then the story is woven in with sort of an all-seeing narrator that is read by a woman. Which, so. speaking of the old man, you know, I um, right away I, I wrote down that I love the perspective from him because there was a point where he says, I know a memory from reality, even if I grow more attached to my memories than to reality with each day. And I was thinking about, like... Because I used to take care of Alzheimer's patients, 
and um, just, you know, regular old people. Um, but that was a lot of, you know, any of them, once you got to talking with them, they would, not any of them, but some of them would, would make comments like, I know what's happening. I understand what's real. Like, I know that this is reality and that that's not reality. Because so many people would question, Grandma, are you sure you, are you sure you went down to have breakfast this morning? You know, everybody's, once you get past a certain age, people start questioning whether or not you're sure that you've really done something or really said something. So it's interesting just to get that perspective from him. Like, yeah, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I get it. I know the difference between, you know, my memories and reality and what's happening and whatever. I know this, this story is going to sound crazy, but I know what I'm talking about. You know, it was like, like right away I was like, fuck yeah, I like this old dude. He's cool. Yeah. And the voice on the audiobook is so good. It's because he has a very sweet voice. And so you can picture him being a little boy in the house when Mm -hmm. he's talking about being a little boy in the house Mm -hmm. it's just wonderful because this little boy is in the middle of tragedy and just doesn't know it do you know what i mean like if you're a little kid right now all of our little quarantine babies feeling all of it i mean you're like uh why do we have to go away to this other house for six months you know or why is everybody so sad and doesn't want to play with me and where did our washerwoman go? Like, he's going through terrible things, but he's just, he can't even conceptualize all the things he's going to. He's, that's his journey mm-hmm. through the whole book. It's, I didn't even realize that till like, the very end. Mm-hmm. The, the, did you know that was happening? When did you catch it? I, I it took me a while to mm-hmm. catch on to that. Same. Yeah. Too. Um but it was nice seeing it through his eyes, like you said, because you can really relate to the part when he talks about being a child. And I was thinking about my two children and going through the pandemic. And they're just in the last two weeks returning to school in person for the first time in 18 months. Oh, my God. And so um, the last time my daughter stepped foot in a school she was in kindergarten now she's in second grade wow yeah bizarre connor was in middle school and now he's in junior high so he's in a completely different building with no sort of transition oh weird no No. oh yeah oh my god but But, so but they're probably super psyched right they were so happy oh my god of course my daughter's best friend sits behind her oh my god god bless that teacher because (laughs) she's in for a ride this year um holy shit oh you know what's funny is i loved the sort of the whole little tale of him not wanting to go to school. Francisco Jr. And finding (laughs) ways to get out of school. And so what's another thing that I loved about this book was it encompasses so much of life. Like I think I know a lot about Beatrice's life. And I also think I know a lot about Simonopia's life. And I think I know do you know what I mean? Like every character in the book feels like full and 
imaginable. You're like, oh, okay, I know this guy. I know this guy. This guy who's like a light-skinned landowner, but he's really trying hard to do his best. But some people are just going to hate him. And he's taking some risks, but he's really wanting to do right by his family, and he really loves his wife, but he has to make some tough choices. I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. I can see this person, mm-hmm. you know? He's trying really hard to do the right thing for the right reason. <clears throat> yeah. His intentions are good. Yeah. And the communication between... Okay, so there's all the mystical stuff, and then there's this weird, like, agrarian land takeover government... I don't even know if I understand all that. I, like, all I could picture in my head, because um, I'm a, when I read, I can see all of it in my mind, like I'm yeah, watching a yeah. movie. And all I could picture in my head was, like, um, you know those old war movies that you watch of, like, Vietnam and, like, the people being, like, just dropped down from helicopters and planes and, like, running forward and they're like on a hill and there's trees and they're like running down this hill and shooting like that's all I could picture so I don't know like if I don't I yeah I have no other reference I don't really know but like that's all I could see in my head was like a takeover like this just like this army of people and obviously it would have been different weapons probably oh see I think I was picturing like little sneaky policy changes that slowly took land away from landowners. And so everybody was trying to play this game. Well, that's like, not as exciting looking in my head. <laughs> it's so. not, but I feel like that's what was happening. Like there was a way of life and then it started changing because of the government and because of other countries and all this stuff. And then there was sort of racial conflict. There was a pandemic. There was um, then the change of the crop from sugar cane to orange trees when that happens in an area like if an area goes from almost all peaches to almost all soybeans that changes everyone's lives so interesting fact it's it's interesting listening to your perspectives on this book because we're both wrong no 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 (laughs) (laughs) there's no wrong angie no i just Um, think it's that's what's cool about a book club man (laughs) well so so i speak spanish and so so but it's interesting hearing your perspective so anytime you translate something from one language to another you lose a little bit of the nuance mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah there's a bit that gets lost in translation um so the parts of the book that were in spanish i appreciated because i could i could understand mm-hmm. it in the language it was originally written in and What's interesting about your perspectives, too, is hearing that it's sort of like having an inside information about, like, some of the history of Mexico, too. And it was kind of a combination of both of the things you were talking about. Like, there was, you know, physical fighting. There was violence. There was policy change Mm -hmm. and sneaky you know, small print stuff going on. And it really harmed, it really harmed the agriculture in Mexico. It really harmed families the most. Yeah. But it's sort of in parallel with things that we see going on now where there's systemic 
systemic racism, systemic misogyny, things like that. Yeah. But those things all played a part in what happened with the landowners, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's where you can draw some of those parallels back to, to today with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. So. Well, and also just understanding, like, this is the way of life. So I, I, my parallel in my mind was, did either of you watch Downton Abbey? Yes. Okay. Like, it starts off <laughs> like, this is just the way we live. We live in a giant house, and we have all these servants, mm-hmm. and the servants expect to be servants, and they have their whole own life and everything. And then it slowly changes to where, by the end, it seems absurd to have that many servants you know it seems ridiculous you, you watch know? you watch them go through that paradigm shift yeah right yeah and, and so it's that's that was a feeling this book gave me too was that they there's this um life goes on that it comes up a few times once when it's like oh we came back to Lenares after being quarantined and realized that life goes on I mean a bunch of people died, but somebody had to become the postman and somebody had to become the butcher because, like, all, they all died. And so we had been gone long enough to where we came back. Life goes on, you know, even when mm-hmm. she is doesn't know where her son and husband are. Like, life is going on. Sheets are being washed. Soup is being served, you know. Mm-hmm. And that sort of over so many years just life goes on and that's part of the the death process as well right is like the what happens after because eventually you get to a point where grieving can't just be all you do like you also have to keep going on oh yeah and i think that's where some of that spiritual magical aspect comes into play around the bees and the symbol of bees too right what do bees symbolize hard work collaboration community they're abundance magic growth growth they make honey they are magic themselves and so when you think about the symbolism they like they make sh- all the shit work. They are mm-hmm. very important. And if you think about the events in the book and the symbolism of bees and how that those two things come together, I think they kind of converge in yeah. this book. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I didn't think of that. The bees are more of like an allegory, right? Oh, interesting. I will say that I don't like how they, like, in the olden days when people died and you were just expected to get up and keep going. I don't like that. I don't think that was, I think it's been a different, like, I think everybody's done it different. But I mean, like, even she, even Beatrice, after Lupita died, you know, she was like, well, I just have to, I have to do it. You know, the sheets have to be changed. The fucking whatever yeah. has to be done. and And it was like, because she she said something like, well, the sheets get changed on Thursdays, you know, or whatever. And it was just very yeah. matter of fact, like, I these think, are the things that we do. I think that's how she deals. But, but she also, without giving away too much of the book, you know, there's another situation that's very tragic that happens to her. And, and that time she 
she took a little bit more time to mourn. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like, is it just because of the relationship she had with those people? Yeah. Um, which could be, but I, like, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, there wasn't a lot of time for grieving. And well, I, think I don't they, like that. They were trained because... Like, okay, so just today I'm reading some news news article about the medical that like the healthcare industry projections are dire because all the people that have gone through the pandemic burning out in the medical fields, they want to go do something else. And so and not as many people are wanting to go in those fields. People are burnt out, right? And so they kind of it's hard for them to have that much compassion like they were i think if you live through a tragedy like the spanish flu and you've seen literally piles of bodies and most of the people that you know died it just changes your brain period i i I would have to disagree with that just because i was a healthcare worker for a long time and i've cleaned dead bodies i've you know i've held hands of people that have died um, some of them I was, I was close to, um, because I cared for them for a long time. And some of them, you know, may have just gotten to the facility, you know, within the yeah. week and, and they were literally just put there to die. Um, I like, I can't, I don't deal well with death. You know, I just don't. And you would think that I, you would think that I would have, I remember actually I had a patient die and I was really close to her, and I, I just loved her so much. She was such a, she was a, she was really a giant pain in the ass, to be truthful, but um, she had Alzheimer's really bad. But I loved her, and she died the night that me and another employee were the only ones down the hall. So that oh. meant that we had to be the we had to be the ones to clean her body before the the funeral home came and picked her up, and. I had to go and ask somebody else to step in because I could I could not physically handle it. And I remember the nurse pulling me aside and being like, you're going to have to get it together because you have a job to do. And it's like a woman just died. You know, like like this woman is dead and and I was very close to her and now you guys are expecting for me to go in there and get her funeral home ready. Like I cannot handle it. Um, that wasn't my first dead body, you know, it was probably like my sixth or my seventh at that point, but I could not handle it. I'm really glad you're not in that industry anymore. Oh shit, me too. Like there's people, I remember when my dad was in hospice, there were people there that just felt like that was their calling. Like they were good at handling it and that's why they were there because they were good at handling it and they knew that. My friend Kristen's sister... Uh, led a group called the Threshold Choir. And they, this is a group that maybe you've heard about, but they sing people through. They sing to people as they cross over. I have not heard about this. Oh, it's the I thresh- haven't heard about that group in the particular, but I have heard choir. about groups like yeah. that. Yeah. So um, Lauren Powell, who passed about, I think it was December 2019, Oh, I don't know if that's exactly right, but um, she sang with the Threshold Choir, and it was such a beautiful thing. She and her sister sang, I think, for both their mother and father as they passed together. 
I don't know where that tangent all came from, but <laughs> I think we were just talking about like grieving and her moving on. Yeah. The difference mm-hmm. between her moving on between different things, but also there's this very telling like foreshadowing type passage where she ex- they explain how Beatrice knew how her life was supposed to go. You know, she was of of a certain class and she was going to marry a certain type of man that was sort of preordained and then she would expect it to act like this and care for children in that way and it was very set up and then you know a pandemic happened and then there's a baby covered in bees and then Nana Reyes exists and then you know and you realize like oh that's everybody's story that is everybody's story yeah because it's just you know one surprise or one obstacle after another yeah you know yeah because then she also like you said surprise pregnancy and she already had two grown you know two adult daughters that were um, were they both pregnant at that point or they were because she was a grandmother yeah yeah that's what I thought. She was a grandmother. So, She's you know, it was like... At 38. I right. mean, like, it's... Yeah, I mean, not I made my mom deal. a grandma at 32, so... It doesn't... Uh, it's it's interesting, but it's a cultural thing. It's right. an expectation thing. You right. know, and life expectancy is different and everything, and crazy times but it's funny to think about like oh no she's 38 right. <laughs> it's like okay calm down right, right. <laughs> everybody just i just turned 39 this year <laughs> and i'm over here like clutching my pearls like <gasps> how dare she <laughs> hey um we're gonna take a quick break and come back and talk a little bit about cannabis news we have a tiktok now We don't really know what we're doing, but we're going to have a lot of fun with it. So please follow us on TikTok at Reads and Weeds Podcast. Also, if you haven't followed us on Instagram yet or subscribed, please do that. It really does help. We're back. We've eaten some almonds. We've smoked some more weed. Or did we? I don't. Or do I just? I have some oranges. I had some oranges. I had some almonds. I, I don't know why I just cheese. said it like that. I had, I had some oranges. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Hey, just real simple recipe. Uh, little non rounds with Asiago cheese and honey. And you toast the little rounds. When we got these last night, we were really high. And Paul and I spent a good 20 minutes trying to out pun each other with <laughs> non references. It was like, can I fix you one of these or do you not want none? <laughs> like just continually. And we try to keep coming up with more non-jokes later. So there's that. Okay. It's a, it's a non-fat snack. <laughs> it Ooh, is. Oh, nice. we didn't even do that. I mean, it's non and cheese. There's fat. And- yes, yes. Okay, so uh, we wanted to focus on a little bit of cannabis news today. And I was going to do something really serious, but here's my favorite news today. New Yorkers can smoke marijuana at this year's state fair post-legalization, officials confirm. (laughs) So question number one, immediately go to our Instagram and tell us if you want to go to the fair with us. (laughs) Please do that. And then um, if you work at the fair... 
can we do our show there? <laughs> we would really like to. And also, uh, do you guys think it's funny that they're acting like this is the first time people have been hired? <laughs> um, it is, Shelly. They just, the officials just confirmed that they're now allowed to do it. Oh, okay. I have I never, it. ever. <laughs> I assume everybody's high at a fair. Yeah, I have to be high if I'm at Sure. The fair. Listen, In some the way. people who ride those rides and don't throw up have to be high. They gotta be. They gotta be. <laughs> well, you know what? I really did it. I did it. I guess a lot of our listeners have probably like gone to Cedar Point High probably. or a demolition derby. I know Michiganders. I think I've been to a demolition <laughs> derby high. I I haven't, but that sounds so we fun. We should go. Let's go soon. There's okay. one nearby. There is. And it's not, a, I think it's a figure eight. Yeah, no, they do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Have you ever so, been to a rodeo? I have, I think. Well, it was a long time ago. What about you, Amanda? Nope, never been. All right, we'll go to a rodeo, too. Yes. Okay. Let's I make a somewhere. weekend out of it, ladies. I have these really nice um, cowgirl boots, but I don't really have anywhere appropriate to wear them. To Value. the rodeo or the demolition derby. They yeah. probably work there, Or too. any old place. Just Kroger, give me any Meyer. excuse to wear them. Sure. We'll have a cowboy day. Do you day. need her to grocery shop for you? Or? Yep. In your cowboy boots. <laughs> I'll be sending that TikTok right over to you. Just let me know how you feel about it. Um, so I just love that it's sanctioned now. It's like, yeah. okay, everybody, we've decided <laughs> officially as a state that you can go get on the Ferris wheel while stoned. And everybody's like, thanks. <laughs> Can I still hide my whiskey in my bra on the way yes. in? Yes. So here's my you question. You can put it right in your fountain drink. About this. <laughs> because the language isn't very clear to me. You can be high or you can get high. Oh, I don't know. You can probably do be both like, because there's so many sneaky. If you get high, you're busted right. doing it in public. But if you are high and we just don't know, you just showed up that way. No, right. they must mean that you can get high, right? I think, know, it means that, I think it means lawyers that also answer this high. question right. <laughs> Hey, if you guys know if we can get high on the merry-go-round or not, that's the question <laughs> we're trying. We need to know, can we physically be at the top smoking a joint? That's what we're looking to do, okay? So if you know, please let us know. This is the era that we're in. There's some shit that's really rough, you know? There's still way too many prisoners and cannabis-related prisoners. Oh, but my friend Jason got out. Oh my gosh, I have to say this. So... I met Jason Szymanski when I was working with the Michigan Cannabis Freedom Coalition and he was like assigned to me and then it, we realized that we both used to be associated with the Vineyard Church of Ann Arbor and he was part of Camp Take Notice and we knew the same people and he had this bullshit cannabis charge like he had his medical marijuana card he got busted on his parole He's like, no, I have a card. And he was three more years. And so Jason got out last week. Yay! Jason got out last week. So I just got very excited about that and just lost my little train of thought. Well, so actually, since um, you brought him up, um, so we wanted to, um, so we've been trying to talk about, um, 
getting books to prisoners and stuff. Oh, yes. So that's a thing that we want to work on, too. Yes. So I'm very excited about this. I was thinking about reinventing the wheel, and then I'm like, you know what? I bet there are organizations that have already mobilized to do just this thing. So I started looking into them. So hopefully we'll get... I kind of want to get permission, but I really just want to put their information on our website. And I think it's called something very simple like Books to Prisoners. Um, Hopefully we can get permission to put their link on our website because what it does is it raises money and and gets, you know, requests for books to be sent to prisons. And we love that idea. That's exactly what we want to do. If there's an organization that you know of that we could partner with, let us know. Um. Yeah. So we can jump back into the book. I think. Yeah. Let's do. You that. know what I was thinking about when I was thinking about the state fair, is because it's such a rural, farm kind of life. With just they, they have like the social club that they belong to. They do. They belong to a social club, but it's still very. <sighs> you know, they're still farmers. You know, they're still like just. They're not, it's not super fancy, I don't think. I never get the impression. She makes her all of her own clothes. She's like, I don't know if I get, am I wrong? Do you think I'm interpreting that wrong? No, I think you're absolutely right. Oh, okay, but it's okay. still, I think it still serves the same purpose, which is a gossip circle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Like a book yeah. You don't have to be yeah. rich to gossip, right? <laughs> Oh, no, everybody does it in their own special way. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's great. Except for oh, me. shit, you guys, I have to tell you something really funny. Shout out at Ellie isn't that funny. She'll appreciate this. I officiated her wedding on Saturday, and her, a request of hers was that I... Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. It was so short and sweet and perfect. It was great. And um, one of her requests was she wanted me to say... Uh, you know, we're gathered here to marry <laughs> marry these two. If any of you have any cause why they should not be married, well, you've had five years, so you can just <laughs> hold tight, okay? <laughs> but tell me later, because I love gossip. <laughs> that's what that's the joke that she that's wanted. Awesome. I was like, I get to say that joke in front of your family? This is the greatest. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay derailed were you ever on a on a reads and weeds where we had the choo-choo do you remember the choo-choo um maybe vaguely we used to put um as a symbol for me to get my ass back on track we would have choo-choo like the train is derailed yeah and at any moment people could pick up the paper and be like (laughs) choo-choo like where did the train go so um this might have been one of those times. <laughs> or somebody needed to pick up the train for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, everything's fine. No, the this state fair thing reminded me of when they went to go see, like how pivotal it was that the whole town was excited about the underwater singer. Oh, yes. And the build-up to it was so big and so innocent and just petty. And it led to just the worst... Thing. Yeah. And it's so weird just that Simona Pia, the way he internalizes the mm-hmm. choice to go and he kind of ignores the bees. He's he's detached from the bees because he wants to see this spectacle. Mm-hmm. And it feels like such a 
even though he can see the future, I guess, you know, because he knows this is going to happen to some degree, right? Well, remember the coyote and the lion. I think that I I think that he had an idea of who the coyote and lion was, and I think he was just slightly off about which one was the lion. Like he didn't quite have all the pieces of the puzzle, right? And I think he he made mention of that in like some way that he just kind of didn't understand how everything fit together. Mm Um, but yeah, he, I, I think that he definitely had, um, I think he had the idea that he was the lion and not Francisco. Whereas had he knew that it was, you know, for sure who it was, then, you know, he could have probably prevented some tragedy, but. Oh my God. I just thought of something. That was so important to me about this book. I can't believe I almost forgot this. Um, early pandemic, when I didn't have anything to do, I, I started making masks. Do you remember I was sewing masks? Yes, I remember that. And I had two sewing machines on this table and would sit and watch this tiny laptop, <laughs> watch like TV shows, and sew all day with just breaks to go like take little walks and stuff. So this obsession, when Beatrice goes through tragedy, she, like her husband knew it was so important to go back to their old house and get her sewing machine and bring it out to the house where they were quarantined. And it was so interesting because they just describe it. He goes to the place, he he gets it, he comes back. He says a little bit about how if there's no life in the house, it kind of like gets dusty and all that. And he notices that and he cleans some things <laughs> and then he brings back the sewing machine and it's her solace during several times of her life. Um, and I was like, man, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I did it. You can spend a lot of time like fixing the bobbin and cleaning The dissociation. And, yeah. The mm-hmm. rhythmic, the cutting sounds, like all of that. I was like, yeah, yeah, I get that. It was so specific. I'm like, that's a very specific memory, like mm-hmm. sewing during a pandemic. <laughs> you so know? There, was, there was a part of the book that I found really, well, there were a couple of different parts of the book that I found to be really funny, like just kind of silly, you know, in ways. Um, but do you remember when they were talking about how everybody was dying and the grave diggers were just throwing <laughs> bodies? And right, I know. I thought the I thought the whole Lazarus story yes, was just I was like, really funny. Rolling. So <laughs> I'm they sorry. They're, they're going so okay. So the grave digger, <laughs> so the grave digger is just basically like just has all these holes dug and he's just like throwing bodies, throwing dead bodies into them. And every day, you know, they he walks through the town with a with a cart. You know, bring us your dead. You know, mm-hmm. total Monty Python. Um, scene going on and um, this book is just like Monty Python it is <laughs> exactly that's ex- it's they're they're based on the same story yeah god Shelley <laughs> um, <laughs> so so the the one guy Lazarus is uh, basically they they say that he's on his deathbed so he, <laughs> they take him to the cemetery <laughs> 
And he's kind of like, please don't throw me in the hole. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still alive. So he the, got bored. Yeah, but the grave digger's like, all right, well, we'll leave you here on the <laughs> let side. Let me know when you're dead. Let me know if you're dead. And every day, kind of, you know, nope, not yet, not yet. Yeah. Well, they did it. They would, if somebody was about to die, they'd go ahead and put him out because if this cart route didn't get him, they'd have to wait like yep. 12 more hours. Yeah. Yeah. And then I it mean, starts smelling. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're kind of laughing. But it's gross. But it, it's funny because Lazarus kind of was just the not hero guy who yeah. just like laid near a grave and was just got better. But what was funny? But what was the the, the conversation funniest, was the funny yeah, part? The how they yeah. how they you arrive at the fact that he right. in fact did not right. raise from the dead. And then no, yeah, and then, he, and then he, and then he he he. He says that he's bored, and so he decided to, you know, he's like, take me back to my house, to my mother, and then the mother has a heart attack because they opened the door and everybody thought this guy was dead for the last three or four days, and now everybody's going around saying, he is risen, he is risen, and the guys, the poor guy's like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> like, there's just this, this yeah. very confusing and the pre- It gets dialogue. to the level, like, this goes so absurdly far that it gets to the priest who is there to verify <laughs> that a true a miracle the has tri- happened. The, the priest needed a win. Bad. Uh, he it did. Was so funny. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. And then he could <clears throat> he like rises like Jesus and then he can never <laughs> get laid. He could never get laid because ladies were like they wouldn't touch he it. was beside that dead body. <laughs> Ruined his life. He comes back to life becomes a temporarily weird child star then never (laughs) then never gets laid that's rough lazarus sorry man that was now now i bet he wish he would have just rolled over into that hole i know Mm. how that was so funny every day he was are you dead yet nope (laughs) nope not dead yet (laughs) all right i'll check in tomorrow But the um, way the conversation goes, too, it's yeah. like, wait, okay, so you mean to tell me you weren't actually right. dead? And the number <laughs> right. of times the priest has to ask the question. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, I was just bored. I was just bored. <laughs> he never made any claims. It's just the town reacted to everything. <laughs> it's absurd. Um, I want to talk about the relationship between Francisco and the boy. I mean, Francisco and Simona Pia. So he would have been 12. What, was he 12 years older? Was he 19 when the boy was 7? Maybe. I don't remember the age. The age okay, I feel like he was maybe 12 when the baby was born and 19 when the baby was 7. That would make sense. Because he's... That sounds good. Yeah, because everything happens on his 7th birthday. So, the cycle of seven. Yeah, that. So the narrator is um, telling this story. We realize to a taxi driver who is taking him back to his homeland, and as he's being driven back to his homeland, he's telling this story of his life and the land and how the orange trees became and how the myths and one of the things he's telling him is. I could never remember 
this tragic thing happened on my seventh birthday and three days later I woke up and my mother was crying and my dad was gone and he everybody wanted him to to remember interviewers and kids and grandkids and he would just say I can't remember and they would of course all forgive him because he had head trauma and he was laying underneath his dad when his dad fell and it was just so traumatic and he starts remembering and he has to go back and the the important part of the relationship with Francisco Jr. and Simona Pia is that they can communicate even though Simona Pia can't speak and actually Simona Pia teaches baby Francisco how to speak this own language and he teaches him about the bees and he teaches him about nature and how to listen and, and all this super interesting stuff. It just seems like such a wondrous little strange relationship, right? Yes. I think so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> My ride's here. Answer. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? I said my rides here. Your rides. <laughs> oh, we didn't. Oh, we didn't tell you that one. No. What do I don't mean? remember exactly how it started, but Marty and I started like when when you're like when you when the brownie hits and it's yeah. like boom and you're like oh shit I'm I'm gone like I'm stoned oh okay. I'm on my way to outer space <laughs> so I just so I don't remember why I said it but I was like I think my ride is here. <laughs> And he was like, what? And I was like, I'm high as shit, baby. I don't know. And it was just like, all right, well, I guess that one stuck. <laughs> so, like, when my you can feel it, here. like, coming, you're like, oh, I think my ride's around the corner. Like, I was just Be talking. about 15 minutes. I'm just talking, and you guys forgot I was a real person and not a screen. And then I interacted with you, and you were like, oh, shit, that's a real person. Yes. Was it something like that? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I was sitting here thinking, God, she's a really good storyteller. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love storytelling. <laughs> that's why I love to read. That's why I love comedy. It's the best. It's the best. And like, I've realized, like, Angie's a good storyteller. Paul is a great storyteller. He can do all these. He's a radio voice guy you know, can do what you're like angie's a good storyteller paul is a great storyteller <laughs> oh i want to brag about him while he's not here it would be weird if he was sitting here but he's a great storyteller and in my trim group the group i trim with the one of the reasons why i can sit there for like 12 hours just trimming weed is because all these women just gab and they have the craziest fucking <laughs> stories and they don't leave out any dumb over-the-top detail you know it's can i fantastic. trim with you just for the stories yeah like you don't have to pay me i just yeah. want to hear these good <laughs> yeah. stories right, they can pay me but also you go trim <laughs> they'll pay me and you can listen to the stories i know when we yeah. talk about trim we're talking about weed but every time someone talks about trim yeah i don't think about trim like in a like on a wall i think of like pubic hair trimming sure i knew you were like, gonna say sure. that. i don't know why. and plus people say people say high class trim like i was able to get nice women they call it they say trim it's like yeah. old school and so what's funny about this trim team that i that i'm on trim is team. one of the 
You're like my trim group, my one of my the, trim posse. Well, that's the thing is we're always coming up with the name. Trim squad, you for know. Life. And so somebody will be like, "We're trim jobs. Get it? What? Trim jobs. What? We do trim jobs. We're like we're not that no, we can't no, we're do not that. Doing that. That's not what we can do. I'm like, how about Scissor Sisters? <laughs> Let's be Scissor Sisters. And we're like, no, no, no that can't, work. that doesn't, that's be gay, so many. Be do crimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Exactly. Exactly. Instead of stay sexy, don't get murdered. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. So I appreciate that. Um, so Simona Pia and there's this very critical thing where even though Simona Pia is seen by some people as a freak and some people are scared of him, he's basically accepted and beloved uh, with a facial deformity, not much language, but totally in tune with the land and the bees and changes the course of events several times. So one is you get the sense that Simona Pia lives with the bees communicates with the bees they stay with him and are covering him most of the time and so he travels like a bee he's all around the forest and knows everything and one day he's been gone a while and he comes back with an orange blossom and this is a family that's always um grown sugarcane but he comes and shows it to his godfather francisco the landowner and Francisco immediately knows that everything's about to change like immediately all Simona Pio does is show up after being gone for three or four days with an orange blossom because he realizes like oh oranges survive here somebody tried this a few years ago so suddenly Francisco takes Simona Pia and they go to California I think and get a bunch of orange trees and they start slowly but surely changing all the land in order to protect themselves so this part of the book kind of made me think of the grapes of wrath a little bit yeah I haven't read that in a long time but go on (laughs) (laughs) okay so I think I think it was just when you were talking about how they had to like pick up and pivot and change really quickly it made me think of like the overall theme of that book is changing right which everybody had to do during the pandemic was like oh yeah we have to adapt and I think part of the people the work shortage is people realized that they can go start their own business and get treated the way they want to get treated and not have to deal with that and be in charge of their income. Yeah. For the most part. And so I think there's a lot of reluctance of people to go back to what they were doing before because it really wasn't working for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they realized they always thought they wouldn't want to be home and they do want to be home. Or they yeah. realized that there's a need out there like some people I think went towards a need like Mm -hmm. I want to become a social policy person now or I want to maybe become a healthcare worker now yeah it changes everything but so that having to like pick up and change quickly 
um, is what made me think of the Grapes of Wrath. And yeah. I forgot to mention that earlier. So it's a political movement, too, because uh-huh. some little tiny law. This is this this is another one of those bits of the book that just felt so current because there's this little bit of the law that says you have to use the land every year and then there's some exclusion about orange trees. And he knew the man that put that on there just basically to protect himself. And so he's like, well, that's fine. I'll do the same thing. Orange trees take a long time to grow. I can keep this land in use for at least 10 more years, you know, and he just went about this very methodical plan and I guess I've lived enough around farmers and farmed generally to know that that kind of decision is so drastic and people you know no one understood it at first well yeah I mean you take a lot it takes a lot to make sure that you know the soil is right for whatever it is that you're growing so yeah you know everything you grow is going to have a different pH balance and you know blah 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 so it's like you come along and you're like, well, I'm done. I don't want to plant this shit anymore. I just yeah. want to do this. And it's like, oh, it's but also not going to be that it's, easy. It's that fear of breaking with tradition to go from like, well, everybody in these parts has always grown peaches. And now it's you're It's another growing. paradigm shift. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, that's what's so rich about it. It's, it definitely covers a couple, maybe at least a hundred years. Right, because it goes back well, yeah, to because, his great grandfather. And if you remember correctly, when he, it goes back really far. And then when we end the book, remember he has a cell phone. Yeah, oh, yeah, he does. You're right. Yeah, and I mean, it, he may have he finds a Simone, briefcase, he finds but, he finds Simone Pio on Facebook. Yes, he does. <laughs> Actually, um, there's a whole chapter about twitter in there there's not um, that doesn't happen it's much better more magical shelly's lying to you but they're uh. called together the whole the end of the book is him being like called towards yeah because he had a cell phone duh he had a cell phone. <laughs> oh shit i'm gonna look at my old I'm friend kidding. simona no, pia he really did have a well and the the it was a blackberry it was a blackberry to be fair <laughs> an android we're I'm, not sure what kind I'm of totally it was. kidding i don't the most important thing <laughs> is he's t- okay so he's the telling the story he is, he is telling the story of his land and his mother and his nana and his brother and the war and murder and the coyote and bees and he's telling it all from the past like he was the little boy born into all this he was the son surprise son born post-pandemic all this stuff so He's one of those babies that's coming along right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they just are going to have a crazy thing. And then, I don't know if I want to do the spoiler. No. Because all those babies aren't going to know the before times. Cer- under a certain age, They'll people... have some sort of memory of it. It might not be super clear, though. I'm saying there's a group of kids right now yeah that are under a certain age where they won't remember oh no they might have like a flash kind of memory of something but yeah. it won't really make sense yeah and then they might bring it up you know 30 years from now and passing to their grandma and she'll be like oh yeah that was this because this 
Yeah. But they won't know. They, they will have lived in a world where they don't know before masks. and Because yeah. I really think this is going to be like a forever thing, to be honest. My nephew, I remember 9-11 happened when he was a little baby, you know. So like, wait, is that right? He had this like, we need to pray for the people in New York. He was like old enough to say a sentence but not much right Mm -hmm. and I thought like oh this is he won't he won't he never knew pre 9-11 you know that's how my um my youngest brother is mm -hmm. 15 years younger than me Mm -hmm. so he was four and I was 19 and so he like he has a very different worldview oh yeah Oh, yeah. Almost the entirety of his life has been the war in Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't know. He doesn't really know anything else. Yeah. It's interesting because... So I'm going to wrap up the book. I'm trying to get better at wrapping up. Everything's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to say... This is why I love talking about a great book and reading about a great book because it doesn't just communicate what it communicates on the paper it communicates all the things behind it yes a whole world and like a couple hundred years was created and all these rich relationships and mystical things and sort of political push and pull and changing of crops and it's beautiful it's really beautiful and I would recommend the audio book um, because you can kind of hear the difference between the point of view. It's I think is a little easier. Yeah. To catch. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts? Um. No, I mean it's a good book. I would read it. <laughs> Do it. Angie's in the car. Her ride picked her up about five minutes ago. Now she's just yelling at me out of yep. the back window. <laughs> so, Amanda, any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this was the... I read it again just to refresh my memory, but... Um, oh, yeah. It's just a really... It's a meaningful book in my mind. Um, and shout out to Jazzy Harrison for recommending it to me last oh, year. yes. Um, and you'll be able to find it. It was the 2015, I think, iTunes Book of the Year. It was, it's it's beautiful. Um, so, once again, we're on TikTok now. Mm-hmm. And uh, make sure to go check out Bone Jackies. Sure. And do you have a, a handle you want to leave us with? Uh, my Instagram is Hello Kitty Witch. Oh, Hello Kitty Witch. Yes. <laughs> and of course, follow us on at Reads and Weeds at Instagram and at Reads and Weeds Podcast on TikTok. Bye.